Welcome back to Real Faith Conversations, where we try to talk about life, culture, and faith in the most genuine way possible. My name is Ryan Morris, and I am here with Rachel Bowman. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you. In this episode, we're going to talk about feeling fake. Rachel, have you felt fake before? (laughs) I definitely think there's been a few moments in my life where I've been like, hmm, who am I? You know, which is a very deep, deep question as it is, but... um, yeah, I think everyone's had moments like that. Definitely I, me. Definitely. Yeah, I know I certainly have, and I think a lot of our listeners can resonate with that. I know talking to people and my friends about this episode and prepping for it, they were like, Ryan, I feel fake all the time. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. Every day of my life, I feel fake. Um, and so I think this is a great topic to dive into because there's this similar feeling, you know, that easily creeps into our Christian lives as Catholic Christians and and also in the lives of everyone, right? They could be a doctor, they could be a lawyer and a public figure, and they could be like, why am I here right now right. doing this? Um, why am I qualified for this? Mm. Even if you could look at the perfect specimen of a leader who has all this training, all this education in life, and they still feel that way. They feel like an imposter. Yeah. They feel like they're an imposter in their own skin. I think that's a really great way of, sorry, great way of looking at it. Um, Cause I think the word fake is very like, oh, manipulative. I was trying to get something, so I put on this face. Or and you know it might be like that in some in some aspects. But I think the idea of like that imposter kind of feeling of, you know, I'm me, but am I me really and genuinely like with with each group of people that I I come across. Yeah, and, and you can oftentimes think, like, if people really knew who I was, would they accept me here? Mm. Whether it be, like, in the doctor's office or in the church, right? So a lot of people walk into church on Sunday and look around and they think everyone else looks as though they belong here. I don't. I don't feel like I belong here. Right. They seem to have, they could look out into the pews and be like, or in the church and say, wow, they seem like they have this Christian life figured out but Christianity may not come as natural to me. And I just put Christianity in there because this is like a real faith conversation, but that applies to all of the culture. And like I just mentioned, and it feels far often from second nature and Mm. it may cause people to feel uncomfortable, don't you think? Yeah, and I think with that, change is just in general a difficult thing. Change is most usually uncomfortable it's not really a comfortable thing to go through which is the point of it you know it's bringing you from point a to point b and everything in between is kind of just like it can be uncomfortable and i think that uncomfortable feeling can really push people away because it's like all right i don't i already don't feel like i belong here and then i know enough about myself that you know i either even furthering the fact that maybe i shouldn't be here and then once that like uncomfortableness kind of sets in it's just like I think I'll just stay in my bubble of what is comfortable. And I can say that because that was definitely me in a lot of situations. It's, you know, even as simple as like music, like I rarely will kind of step out of that comfort zone. And so I think that comfortableness is a really big part in um, feeling like you belong somewhere. And when you don't feel that right off the bat or even, you know, down the line, it can be really difficult to want to stay a part of something. What do you mean by music? Is that trying like different types of music or going out of your comfort zone that you didn't try before? That's kind of looking at like things moving forward, like my progress as a musician, a producer, that kind of stuff. So reaching out, working with new people, you know, um, 
reaching out to other people and, and try to, you know, start making more connections and, and not just limiting it to, oh, well, my friends are great musicians, which they are, you know, and they're a fantastic resource, but really kind of stepping out of my comfort zone, especially with like performances, especially with just like putting myself out there in general, it's definitely something that I could put more effort into, but because mm-hmm. I'm afraid of this rejection, I'm afraid of this, you know, I don't belong here, looking at all these other people who are in the industry who are incredibly good, have been doing it for decades, and then little old me wants to come along and be like, yeah, I do that too, you know? And I think mm-hmm. when I stop worrying about it being comfortable and understand that it's not going to be, but it can only lead to something good, even if the outcome isn't exactly what I hope for, Yeah, there, there's still importance behind that. Yeah, and for the audience, imposter syndrome is basically when you feel like a fraud and at any moment everyone is going to realize that mm. you're a fake. That's sort of like the feeling you have. Just for everyone, I wanted to clarify that. Yeah. And that is so true. Like we wanted to bring this as an angle of church and also like what everyone does in their everyday life and music is one of those where you look you f- almost feel intimidated by the experience. One thing I always think about is in that scenario now that we're going down that hole <laughs> is um where these people started like you said some of these people have like 15 years experience in the music industry Mm -hmm. and then you're coming along well where did they get started and do they still feel like they belong there you know some people are really confident that way but i wonder if others don't because the reason why i say that is because when you when you look at interviews of top athletes or you know top public figures a lot of them say like before every game they have those butterflies in their chest or their stomach Mm. And they get nervous, and that never goes away. I think Michael Jordan, I mean, one yeah. of the uh, biggest names in basketball, he said he still had that at every game, right? And, you yeah. know, there's a lot of football players that get that. I know I got that as well in my racing background. I used to, before every race, I would still have that feeling. Yeah, it's the same with me in performing. Like, I'm I'm pretty comfortable with performing at this part, at this point. But um, I, even even so, like, I think... I think it wouldn't be the same experience without feeling those nervousness and those butterflies and stuff like that. But I, I do really like the idea of thinking about, well, where did these people start from? The people that I'm so intimidated by and, you know, relating this back to the church as well. Like the people who have been sitting in the pews for years or have are like actually deep in their faith. Where did they start? Because yeah. they most likely didn't start deep in the faith already with all this knowledge and wisdom like you have to start somewhere and with me with music I have to remind myself people started somewhere people started at a point where they didn't know what they were doing or they made a lot of mistakes or you know my first mic setup for recording was apple headphones taped to a stand <laughs> like that's what I recorded on with the other one in my ear so I could hear the music oh, wow. so it was like I wonder how many other people started with like that similar set up I'll say with quotations you know not saying it all has to be back to music but that simplicity simplicity is that Mm -hmm. correct that simplicity of like this is what I want to do this is what I have to like this is what I have to do it at the moment let's do it Um, and that can definitely I think relate back to the church when it's really difficult to feel included at first and then as you're kind of just like you know what let's try it at least and then that's when I think new doors can really start to open up yeah, I think in hearing you say that, I think uh, Selena Gomez, I think one of her songs was recorded in her closet. 
I don't know if that's true or not. I I would believe that. I would. I thought that was funny. Believe that. Yeah. It reminded me of you using your Apple headphones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, whatever works, you know. And if you're if you're passionate about something, whether it's, you know, even outside of the the church sense, like if you're passionate about something and you have literally the bare minimum to get started, even just like having that passion to begin with is super important for whatever steps you choose to take after that like now I have my setup now I have my recording equipment now I go to school for it so it's like there's that build from 14 year old me like oh this sounds cool up until now where this is what I'm studying and this is what I want to do yeah so yeah yeah and don't get us wrong guys out there that you know it's not normal to feel this way Mm. it's completely normal to question yourself and you may ask yourself like who am I actually how do I stay true to myself? Or you might develop different personas right. that you have at different areas, like your church persona, your friends persona, your, how you are in front of your parents. Yeah. Um, a lot of times, too, like you see that in for any DC fans out, fans out there, Batman. He's a great depiction of different personas. He's Batman, he's Bruce Wayne, the boy, and then he's Bruce Wayne, the playboy, right? right? that spends all of his money and has hang, hangs out with a bunch of girls all the time, you know? Yeah. There's different versions of Bruce Wayne. And um, for those of you who watch the Dark Knight series, I mean, he, you really see that in the film where, you know, one minute he's buying a hotel and jumping in a pool with all these girls. The next moment he sees Rachel, his love interest. Not me. Yeah, not you. <laughs> his love interest in the movie. And he's like, you know, Rachel, this is not me. I'm more inside. Mm. And I think a lot that line is so powerful and poetic yeah. that I think a lot of people can resonate with that and say, I'm more inside than who I am on the surface or my actions that I just did. Don't you agree? Yeah, and I think looking at that, like still using Batman as the example, I think when he saw her and she saw him, there was a little bit of shame in what she was seeing like this isn't this isn't the real me there's more to me so what she was seeing was making him feel like no 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 no. like I, I promise there's more you know it was like defending it and like this isn't fully who I am and I think to a point a lot of us feel the same at times when it's like especially when there is that that drastic difference between with your friends versus with your family and then it's like if my parents saw the way I would hang out with my friends you know, it's it's completely different story than when I'm just under their roof. And I'm not saying that, like, you know, specifically for me, but just more in general. Um, it can kind of bring a little bit of that shame feeling of, like, you know, they taught me not to be doing this. They, you know, spent years raising me and trying to instill these good morals in me. And then the moment I leave, I'm doing all of this other stuff. And it's like, there's shame in that. That's like, mom, dad, this isn't me. There's more to me than just this. And while that's kind of my example at the moment, I think that can really go into a lot of different groups, different people and different emotions that kind of stem off of that. Like there's more here than what you're seeing at the moment. Yeah. One time you actually told me this, um, you said, you know, when you take away that persona, what's remaining and do you like whatever is left over? Can you dive into that a little bit? You told me that once. Yeah. And I think it's just like, when you start to recognize the fact that you can't really be yourself around every group that you are around, you know, and it might just be slight changes that you make, but it's still like those changes are there. 
And so when you take away all of these little aspects of things you change for a certain group of people, like let's say, you know, you're a theater kid. So at these practices, at these rehearsals, whatever else, you know, you put on this, you know, super happy-go-lucky kind of face, personality, whatever. And then you get in your car to go home and you realize like, I didn't even have a good time. I wasn't even really happy. I was just there, you know, and, and this is the role I play when I'm there. And so when you take away these different roles for different groups, it's like, what's left? And if it's just you with nothing else attached, it's kind of like, what was there in the first place? Mm. And, you know, I, I think with that as well, and at, at least for me, I know for a while, I definitely had these different faces for different groups. And I think once I realized that and saw that I genuinely couldn't even be the real, you know, Rachel Bowman with anybody, I was like, so what's the point then? Like, if I can't be genuine, how do I know that these people are right for me? And it was only after I, I started just presenting myself as I am. And, you know, if, if you rock with that, you rock with that. And that's great. And we can move from there. And if you don't, that's okay, too. It's not my job to be liked by everybody. And I think even though there's definitely times when I can tell when someone's not really a fan of me, it hurts a lot less than if the people I've known for all of these years or I just met or whatever else, like, it would hurt more, I think, if they couldn't really be around me for who I am and I had to put on this face. And that goes into the thought that, you know, I, I also mentioned was like, you know, this this concept of, you know, I thought I knew you for the last six months and now I'm seeing your true colors. Now I'm seeing who you really are. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be on the other end of that. And I don't think a lot of other people want to be on the end of that too. And I think once you start presenting yourself as you are, that's when those people who are really meant to be around you and are really good for you and see that good in you, then they'll start coming and it'll be the right people, you know? Because yeah. in my experience, at least, the people who I kind of put a face on for are no longer in my life. Mm. And that's not, you know, anyone cutting anyone off. That's just that that growth apart that just kind of continues and because that realness wasn't there it's hard to kind of bring anything back and that's okay you know especially yeah. with the people I have around me now but it takes time and it, it takes realizing and then doing something about it mm. yeah I mean thinking back when I wasn't too involved in the church I remember even like in the narthex which for those who don't know what the narthex is it's basically the room you enter the church in at least at St. Peter's um right. It's like that entrance room before yeah. you go through the double doors. Some people call it a vestibule or whatever that word is, that. but we call it a narthex. Anyway, <laughs> when I entered through the narthex of the church and I see people all happy and greeting me and like uh, just people, you know, saying hi and all that, there were a lot of times where it's like I didn't want to see anybody and I didn't want, I felt like all the eyes were on me mm. because I had that shame of I don't belong here. And if they knew who I really was, then they wouldn't allow me to be here or, or something in that regard. Now, yeah. for me now, I know that's completely false and mm -hmm. that's something I made up in my head, but it doesn't um, denigrate like what I was feeling. No, like, yeah. It's very say, real. It's super valid. Like I've definitely had that moment of like, you know, 
the parishioners who are just kind of waiting there and everyone's like you said just very happy very like positive very like oh how are you doing how's your morning good morning you know and, and there were definitely times growing up where I was just like why are they why are they so like positive like so early <laughs> right now and on top of that I'm just like they they don't really know who I am they know that I'm the daughter of a family who's pretty you know committed to the church and, and pretty involved they know I sing you know and do music mm-hmm. for the church but you know they heard my sound cloud <laughs> or you know I've heard your sound cloud <laughs> Oh, <laughs> but it's like if there's certain things where it's just like if they really knew this, if they knew, you know, hypothet- if they knew my plan for after mass or what I was doing Saturday night before I came to mass on Sunday morning, they would not be greeting me the same. In fact, like you said, they probably just close the door and put a little lock on that, you know, for me specifically. But like you said, like. While it is something that we kind of just conjured in our head, you know, and it was something, it was, it's super valid. It's definitely something that I think a lot of people feel, whether they walk into the church or not, even just the thought of it can be like, "Mm, no, yeah, no. I've known some of my friends that, and I'm not going to name names, that um, went out partying hard Saturday nights Mm -hmm. and then rolled out of bed and went into church at like 7 a.m., went to the 7 a.m. mass, and on its surface, you may think, oh, since I know that, I would judge them for that. Mm-hmm. But in reality, actually, I commended them for that. I was like, man, I know that you partied hard last night. You are here at 7 a.m. How are you even living? Yeah, 7 a.m. is quite impressive. Very and impressive. They seemed really into the mass, you know, mm-hmm. and all the power to them. You know, I, I didn't judge them for that. I actually thought that was awesome yeah. <laughs> that they were able to do that. It's Yeah, I think with that, it's kind of hard to be like, sick you know like partied hard and now you're at church but it's still that idea of like just because they did that the night before doesn't mean they're any less welcome in the church for sure and that goes for every single person who is listening and who is not listening everyone in general like those actions and we were talking about this a little bit beforehand but those like actions don't defy you as a human yeah and if we're looking at you know just human decency and being good people and being welcoming and being accepting then you're already on the right path you know Mm -hmm. um but yeah i I do understand what you mean though about kind of being like you know nice job bud (laughs) you got five there (laughs) yeah i mean who knows i don't know i wasn't there with them partying but i happen to know they were from other people and they eventually said it and i don't know about their actions but yo they were there, and that was awesome. And here's another point to drive home, because like you said, sin is an action, right? Mm. You choose to do it. And in that same vein, sin is not who you are. It's not what defines you. Right. It's not your identity. However, when you're in shame, like when you have a shameful dip in life, that's what you're thinking. Your sin defines you. Yeah. And I think that is where sort of you, you come out of that and that's where you kind of like hold that on your back and say, man, no one's going to want me here. And when temptation comes, um, it wants you like the devil wants you to say, this is who you are. This is, you are a child of me, not God. Yeah. Um, and you know, and it's, it's like, you should be shameful, right? That that's what the devil wants you to think, right? It wants you to think that you are no good. And you know, they want you to think that you're stop pretending you're something you're not. You are, 
you are mine, right? Mm. Because of your actions. And um, it can be compelling to give up, I think. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I knew I go through that. I mean, everyone sins. Let's put that out there. Everyone's a sinner. Everybody is. Even someone sitting in the pew, they've been to more masses than the Pope. <laughs> uh, Father always says, been, been to mass more times than when... I think the Pope. I think that was it. That was the line yeah. I just did. But then he said something about the guppy. Moby, Moby Dick was a guppy. <laughs> since Moby Dick was a guppy. That's what it. Been the man since Moby Dick was a guppy. I think that was the line. That might have been it. I was just like, guppy and Moby Dick don't seem to correlate much. But all right, Ryan. Basically. Um, but yeah, I mean, even for people that have been the mass forever. Let's put it that way. Um, they sin as well. And they're as much welcome here as someone who's coming to Mass for the first time. Yeah. I think, and just really quick, sorry, I think that idea of this is who I am and I can't grow from this and I'm always just going to be a bad person. I think a lot of people go through that. I know I most definitely did. And I'm still like kind of on the tail end of that, of like forgiving myself for being so hard on me my entire life and always being like oh you know these are the actions you're choosing you're just a bad person and no one's gonna love you because of that and you're gonna always be by yourself and you know everything good that you have is always gonna deteriorate because of something you did and and you're the problem here you're the problem and i think with that there's kind of two ways to go there's you know what you're right i am the problem guess i'll just always be the problem and then there's well how do i not be the problem Mm -hmm. um and that's not really saying like, okay, so, you know, I am bad. That's just saying like, it's acknowledging that there's a problem, especially when it's like, you know, one of those sins that just kind of keeps occurring and it keeps happening mm-hmm. even after you like promise that it promise yourself even that it won't. Um, and I think with that, that's when you can start identifying what that issue is. Understand that the only way that this issue is going to change is if you change something within yourself, within your heart, within your mind, intentions, whatever. And then as that starts progressing and you start being able to take those steps to kind of find that healing within yourself and heal with others and whatever else, that's when you start to see a change. And that's when your, your, uh, what's the word? The visual of yourself to yourself becomes a little less bad and more, you know, we all make mistakes and we all sin and, you know, some is worse than others and some just keeps happening. How can I stop that? But it's like there there are ways to do that where you don't have to put everything on you, where it's not, you know, I'm just going to be a bad person forever because no one deserves to feel like that. Yeah. Honestly, at the end of the day, I don't think anyone deserves to feel like oh, I'm just terrible and I can never be better. Everyone can be better. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, you and I have talked about this before and this is kind of thrown around a lot, but Paul was yeah. one of the biggest mass murderers in the Bible. I'm going to say that again. Mass murderer. Yeah. Mass murderer. <laughs> and yet he's known today as one of the best evangelists. Yeah. You know, it wasn't his, his actions to breathe murderous threats as they say in the Bible. Right. Um, towards, towards who? early christians early christians yeah and then who did he end up preaching to i mean he converted a lot of people into yeah, christianity, to christianity so yeah i mean he became one of the best evangelists out there and wrote a lot of great texts um gave us a lot of great things to reflect on yeah. and he was you know in the beginning he was rejected because think about it 
you heard, oh, this guy came around and was killing people that who like which I identify as. I'm a I'm an early Christian right now. Yeah. And this guy's coming here to. I want to bring him in for a TED talk. Like I don't <laughs> think we should do that. It sounds like a trap. Yeah, yeah this guy. This guy's uh, got a couple screws loose. Yeah. And he was rejected a lot, um, but. You know, they saw the truth in that. They eventually saw the truth, and you know, some people didn't. But think about how he was thinking, right? Yeah. When in his conversion story and himself, and. That's a remarkable story. If, yeah. if a mass murderer can turn around and become one of the biggest evangelists in history uh, or most well-known, then what are sins, man? I mean, I mean, there's some people that murder today. Right. So, but I mean, think about the sins that you do like every day. That's, that's remarkable. Yeah. Um, and oh, I had a quick thought about uh, Paul. Let me see if I can remember. Um, oh yeah, like looking at this, like when you were saying, like he was rejected, and he probably was a lot more than we can fathom, really. Yeah. Um, because of who he was, and I think that kind of brings uh, like a, a little full circle moment almost to what we were talking about in the beginning of this, of just like it's gonna be uncomfortable, and I know it's kind of a a, a drastic <laughs> switch from like us doing something out of our comfort zone versus a guy who murdered a lot of people trying to be like, oh no, actually we're cool. You know, so it's it's a little bit of a of a weird example, but it's like this idea of he was rejected but continued because he knew it was right and he knew that this is the truth and hopefully people will see that and the people that did were able to be a part of that and that rejection was probably uncomfortable. It probably hurt, mm. you know. It probably just wasn't a you know you know next town. You know there was probably just like a oh, and I know this is because of who I used to be that I can't change. Yeah. And that easily could have turned into, well, I'm just a bad person. No one's ever going to see past that. And I think to a lesser extent, or maybe that extent, some people feel the exact same way of like, no one's going to be able to take me seriously or understand where I'm coming from because of who I used to be and because they know that old me and not who I am now. But with him continuing and speaking the truth and being as real as possible, it did bring people on board, even if it took time. So, you know, using that example is like, it's going to be uncomfortable and there's going to be rejection and there's going to be people who just can't see past the past mistakes. But at the same time, there's going to be people who can. Wow. And those are the people you're working towards. That is such a mature insight, Rachel. My gosh. (laughs) Why, thank you. I wish I could clap, but it would probably mess up the sound. (laughs) My gosh. Yeah, I mean, that, that is so true. Your past shouldn't define who you are even though in some people's mind it does but don't give up in that he didn't give up yeah that is such a great insight and i think my thought process for that really quick just you know not to spend too much time on this but you know relationships in the past for me i usually ended up being the one that did something wrong or you know wasn't thinking and did something impulsively and it hurt that relationship and in turn then ended that relationship and then moving forward, like me personally, definitely definitely having these thoughts of like, maybe I'm just not a good person since I can't even seem to like maintain this good relationship that mm. I'm, I'm, you know, actively a part of and is making me happy and is good, but I still did this. And for what reason? How am I going to be able to do things in the future? And then including other people into that is, well, I know that you did this and this when you were with this person. Why am I going to put myself through that too? And it's like, but that's not me now. I learned from that. I, you know, I grew from that. 
And it's that feeling of you can fall back into the, oh, you know what, they're right. I'm just the worst. Or it can grow into they can't see it. And as much as that hurts, it's okay because someone else will, hopefully. Because like you said, the past and these sins don't define who we are. And the moment that we let them, the devil wins. Yeah, that is so true. Yeah, and bringing it home to us, you know, I... I know for me, thinking about the different personas, I mean, Paul had that murderous persona in his past when he was Saul, and, uh, you know, there's the evangelist persona. Mm. Well, for me, I think I I have some different personas as well. I mean, I'm different on this podcast than I am, you know, off the podcast, I think, I hope, or maybe not. I I don't know. I like who (laughs) I am on this podcast. But, you know, I'm different around my family. I'm different around certain friends. As you mentioned earlier, you are too. And for sometimes, I mean, this this really, I reflect on this a lot, is that sometimes I'm not the best person for the people closest to me. Mm. And that hits me as well. It's like, what the heck am I doing? I can relate to that. Yeah. And, um, you know, quick story. I know um, I don't want to take up too, too much time on it, but a time where I felt I was just absolutely out of my element was during my master's program, even get, getting into it, right? I mean, Schwartzman Scholars is... Um, a program I did for my master's for those who don't know out there in the audience and it's pretty prestigious around the world and when I was reading some of the bios and by the way if you ever want to apply for something don't read the bios of people that's really bad <laughs> just do it just do it <laughs> but I was reading some of the bios and I was like man these people are just amazing leaders around the world how, how am I ever going to get into this and I started to doubt myself and I said I'm fake what I shouldn't even apply mm. I applied I got to the interview round and then when I got to the interview, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm seeing all these people in person now yeah. from around the world in New York City. Mm. And I'm like, what am I doing? I get to the table. There's 11 panelists in front of me and then me on the other side of the table doing this interview. I'm like, I don't belong here. <laughs> but I still did it anyway. Think going yeah. back to that perseverance thing. Even though it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Moving forward. And then I got in. And when I was in, I then thought. What am I doing here? Was this a fluke? <laughs> Are you I'm sure so fake. about that? <laughs> I am not smart. I am not a leader. I'm not anything. And there's these doubts that come in, even though, you know, someone may think, oh, wow, this person's the best leader in the world. You still have that doubt. Yeah. The point is, apply that, at least this is my lesson for myself. I should apply that with everything I'm doing. Hmm. If I want to do better in prayer, my prayer life, keep going at it. I'm not a fake just because I didn't pray for the last two days. Right. Yeah. Um, if I want to be the best teacher, I want to be. Keep going at it. I'm I'm helping out with the RCIA class yeah. for you know adults that want to come into the church. I think of myself as a bad teacher, um, mm-hmm. but uh, you know people are pushing me to go further, and um, it's sort of almost that fakeness that you feel is almost motivation in a way yeah. for yourself. It, there's there's a point of being healthy and then being unhealthy. I think when it motivates you to do better, I think that's a healthy environment. But when it, you turn to depression and you know other things that come with depression, which we covered some of that in this show before, I think that's when it becomes unhealthy. Yeah, and I mean with that, like there are for a lot of people, it's definitely not something that they necessarily like mean to fall into. It just kind of happens. But a lot of those negative thoughts can kind of speed up that process of you know what, I'm not worth anything. Or, you know, how can I be good? And I really like the line you said of like, you know, just because I hadn't, I haven't prayed for the last two days doesn't mean I'm a fake Catholic. 
mm-hmm. or a fake, you know, religious person. And that goes for like, oh, I miss church, you know. That doesn't make you fake. It's just like, I'll just have to like really keep it in mind for next Sunday or, yeah. you know, set an alarm for myself. And that's when those those little actions of change kind of bring it all together. And then the next week you're like, all right, I got here on time. You know why? Because I set an alarm for myself this time. And I also I also think along those same lines, like having different elements of your personality kind of like coming in and out with different groups, I don't think that's a problem. The same way it's like, you know, I'm, I'm definitely different with my friends than I am with my family, but it's not such a drastic difference where it's like my parents wouldn't know who I was if I was hanging out with my friends. Yeah. I, I use the same, I was talking about this earlier, I use the same like lingo, you know, I, <laughs> with my parents and while they don't really understand it all that much at points, you know, it's still like, it's me being real with them of, you know, this is still who I am, you know, yeah. but there is like that extra level of respect too because they're your parents. So like there's no cussing and that's just, you know, For that's sure. out of respect. Yeah. Um, but I think it's when they're these big big changes in, in who you say you are and how you present yourself like personality wise. I think when that's like there's big gaps between these these different groups, I think that's when it just becomes hard to maintain. It's exhausting. Yeah. And like while it might be a little bit on the side of, you know, who am I? I, I can't really figure out who I am. It's also this feeling of like I'm tired having to be this person at, you know, theater rehearsal i'm tired of being this person when i'm sitting at the dinner table with my family i'm tired of being this person when i'm sitting in the pew and i have to like act like i'm this perfect person and it's like exhausting yeah and that is when i think it kind of goes into this unhealthy side because you start to just lose yourself as that continues because you're building yourself up based on everyone else around you rather than building yourself up to be you yeah that's so true and i like the line you said where it's there's an action of missing church or not praying or whatever it may be, insert the blank. But then there's an opposite reaction next time for some people that says, I'm gonna set an alarm, that's my action to help me get to that point where I wanna be. Uh, That's a great mindset to remember is that since sin or since actions don't define you at your core, you can always change the, the action. Yeah. to redefine how people re- perceive you or how you even perceive and feel about yourself. Agreed. And I, I think that's powerful. Great. That's yeah. something to make bold statement. Bold. <laughs> <laughs> and with and with that idea of like, you know, that, oh, I sent alarm for myself and then I got there on time. That's definitely like a little more on the smaller side of, oh, it was just a simple thing of remembering. Yeah. But then things like, you know, for me and how I was working within relationships, how I was you know, having difficult time with self-control and certain things like that, like that's going to take more time. That's not a, oh, I'll just say no. You know, it's, you have to really work with yourself on that. So I don't want to make it seem like, oh, it's just this easy fix of this and this and this. It's sometimes it takes years. Sometimes it takes, you know, a couple days, you know, it, it differentiates depending on the sin or this the the whatever that you're trying to really change and I know for me when it came to relationships I'm still you know trying to trying to exercise different things to to really make it work and to remind myself that I am a good person I just made bad decisions in the past and now yeah. all I can do is learn and change that and so that's that's a continuing ongoing thing that I'm working on so some things have like up oh, just throw on an alarm and be there on time and other things are like I need to really soul search and really dig into who I am and why I might be doing these things. And then, you know, that might lead to 
figuring out like I might need professional help for this you know for for certain um, situations but it's still taking that first step to kind of acknowledge and understand that this isn't the person you want to be is an incredible and beautiful thing yeah it's the first step towards any type of change for sure and sort of like wrapping up as sort of like a conclusion to this concept of feeling fake I think one of the positive takeaways is that one, it's normal to feel this way, mm. but also it can be a positive thing to promote change within yourself if you use it as a reflection tool. Yeah. If you use this feeling of fake or insecurity as a tool to improve yourself, if you feel like you need to get to a certain level in life or area in life, whether it be through your prayerful discernment or you know your spiritual growth or your career or whatever it may be, your hobbies, I think if you reflect on it and say, what other actions can I be doing right now to improve mm. myself? And, you know, where you're at too, let, let's throw this out there. Where you're at too might be exactly where you need to be at that moment. Yeah. That's another thing. Maybe you're not so, quote, bad. Maybe you're not a failure. Maybe you're not a fake. Maybe that's where you need to be at this exact moment, where the seeds are planted so that you can grow into something right. much more. It's part of something bigger. It's yeah. part of something bigger. And I find that to be true in a lot of aspects of my life. Yeah. I, it was kind of funny talking about like that reflection tool. My, my first thought was like, fake it till you make it, which I know <laughs> it's like the whole thing here we're talking about, like, all right, being fake and being fake. And I'm like, fake it till you make it, you know? <laughs> but I'm more talking about this aspect of like me being a, a musician, an artist, um, a performer. When I go to get up on stage, I definitely have those nervous feelings of, you know, you know, what if I mess up? What if the microphone doesn't work? What if the speakers blow out? What if I just like don't remember the words? Like I always have those thoughts in the back of my head, but the whole fake it to your make, fake it till you make it like aspect kind of comes into play where it's like, just act as confident as you can get up there and be like, how you guys doing tonight? You know? And, and really kind of like showcase that you're this confident, you know, well-rounded artist. And even if you're not at that point, you're setting yourself up for success moving going down the road and that's part of coming out of this uncomfortable this comfort spot and you're going into this uncomfortableness of you know this isn't really me yet but i hope that it is and i think those are other positive things that go along with it same with like if you're a business like a business dude (laughs) (laughs) i am not a businessman that is not me but there there has to be times when you have to you know you're giving a presentation or whatever and you have to go in and and really look like you know what you're doing and look like you know how to speak well and even if you're really feeling nervous and you don't feel a lot of confidence in that it's like that little fake it till you make it sometimes that sometimes that's that can definitely be a positive thing but that's for the things that are moving you forward not backwards for sure yeah that's another that's a good distinction there yeah and it's um it's healthy until it becomes unhealthy yeah (laughs) when you start getting depression start you know, harming yourself in any way or harming others, that's when it gets to the point where you need to be like, okay, I need to figure something out here. Maybe it gets professional help. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, I hope this show, this episode really reflects on, you know, maybe some of your insecurities out there. Um, Mm. I know for me, I have a lot of them. Rachel, I know you have a lot just by knowing you. And um, you could tell just by looking at me. Well, no, just because of our conversations, <laughs> of course. I'm just messing with you. No, no but I, I agree. There's definitely a lot of insecurities, and I think um, everyone is valid for having those. But 
it's the way that you move forward from that that's important it's those steps forward even even the smallest step even the smallest amount of progress is still progress i love that um because i think a lot of the times we're all looking for these big jumps of i was here and now i'm all the way over here and sometimes i'm i'm here and now i'm half an inch forward but hey i'm going forward yeah and uh yeah so like most things like you said it's it's healthy until it's unhealthy and if if certain things are persistent especially where it's like you can't get out of this funk that's where like you know some professional help might come into play and stuff like that but for the average person who's kind of just like dealing with a lot of these feelings of like i don't really know where i'm at you know there's definitely steps that can be taken to kind of start breaking that down for you great and before i plug the uh the email i wanted since we're recording this during holy week um right before easter so i wanted to just end with a prayer if i could yeah please. Um, in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit lord god a lot of us feel may feel like a fraud a fake or that we're unwanted please provide us peace in our hearts please allow us to know that sin does not define us we are more than sin we can conquer sin through you through jesus God, I ask that you ease our hearts, our words, our thoughts, who we are, who we want to be. Please guide us and let your will be done and not ours. God, we ask that you please guide this show, the listeners, guide their families, guide our hearts. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as once in the beginning, is now, world without end. Amen. I like that. In the name of the Father and the Son. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. This is good. I like that. Yeah. Now I can do the plug. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, if you want to come on the show, if you have a topic um, like this, like being a failure, <laughs> uh, email media at stpeterchurch.net. That's media at stpeterchurch.net. Thank you, Rachel. Yeah. Thank you, Ryan. <laughs>